With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Here's the staff to Riley's. He drops back. Blue Chiefs looking for Everly. He's throwing. Go to the end zone. Now McDavid walks in right circle. Back to Everly. Touchdown, Eskimos. One-timer score. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. One long winning streak in the NHL will end tonight. The Calgary Flames have won seven straight. They host the Montreal Canadiens who have won six in a row. That game starting in about an hour down the highway will keep you updated. Action already underway. Flyers and Maple Leafs 1-1 late in the first. The Lightning lead the Wild 2-0 in the first period and already into the second frame in Carolina. The Hurricanes with a 2-1 edge on the New York Rangers. Several other games to come tonight including the Ducks and the Blackhawks. Of course Anaheim and Edmonton tied for second in the Pacific Division and Chicago with a pretty sturdy winning streak of their own. They have won seven straight. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Great to have you along for the ride. We have a lot to get to this evening. The Oilers will host the Pittsburgh Penguins tomorrow night. Now, Benoit Pouliot is expected to be back in action for the Oilers. He was hurt in practice on February 12th during a skating drill. He clipped skates with Drake Kajula. They both crashed into the boards. Pouliot took the worst of it. He's expected to be back tomorrow on a line with DeHarnay and Cassian, so Kajula would come out. Also, look for Eero Pakarinen to get back in on the fourth line, replacing Jujar Kara with Matt Hendricks and Mark Letestu. From the other side of the ledger, the Penguins beat the Jets last night 7-4. An incredible game. We'll talk about that with Phil Bork. He's a Penguins analyst in a few minutes. Of course, former Penguin himself. He was a teammate of Rob Brown in the uh, late 80s and into the 90s a little bit. But Justin Schultz back in Edmonton for the first time since last year's trade, and he was talking with Jack Michaels about a very eventful last 12 months. I mean, things turned around pretty quickly for me there. Um, you know, obviously we were struggling here last year, and I got an opportunity to come to a great team, and um, obviously I have a lot of great players here that have playoff experience, and, and we went all the way and did it. It was pretty pretty cool, and uh, fortunate I got, got that opportunity. Was there a tipping point for you in terms of when you started to feel like yourself again in terms of your confidence and, and skill set as a player? Yeah, I think it was the start of this year. I had a good summer. It was a short summer, but I had a good summer training and just came in and knew I could play, and I've done it before. And I wasn't getting points or anything to start the season, but I felt good playing defense defensively, and uh, things just started turning around, and it uh, seemed like everything was going in for me. And 
Um, hopefully we can keep that going. <laughs> you, you come off a game against Winnipeg, uh, kind of an uh, emotional game, and I'm wondering about the importance of playing a game like that where there's a lot of emotion, obviously Malkin fights, and, and it's kind of a rallying point. Is that a good thing here coming down the stretch and, and as you get ready for the playoffs? Yeah, it is. Uh, coming to these Canadian cities here, it's going to be good because, you know, the buildings are always rocking, and um, it's playoff atmosphere now down the stretch here. So, Last night's game was was like that. Obviously, had a couple of fights to start the game and uh, the playoff atmosphere, and uh, we got the two points. You're in Edmonton. Are, are there mixed emotions? What's what's going through your mind as you get ready? I'm happy to be back. I mean, I get to see some old friends and teammates and hang out with them and get to check out this cool new new rink. Um, it's pretty impressive. So it's it's good to be back and. Looking forward to getting this first game uh, out of the way against the former team. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, yeah, no, exactly. I, I know you've played Edmonton before, but, uh, you know, now being in the city and, and kind of getting a look at, at this new facility, uh, will it still be uh, you and Nuge tomorrow more than anything? Is that <laughs> is that the matchup we should watch in particular, yeah. if there's any secret chirp? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have a couple laughs out there, I'm sure. Uh, but I'll see him tonight and catch up. Um, hopefully catch up with a couple other guys. And it's, it's just fun to be back and, and see your old teammates. I mean, I played three and a half, four years here. So it's, you know, I, I made a lot of friends and I was comfortable here. I had, had a routine. So it's, it's definitely cool to be back in, in the city. Well, there's going to be a lot of star power out there uh, against Edmonton. I just wanted your thoughts on defending, you know, Edmonton's equivalent of what you've got in this room. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. Obviously, they got a ton of speed. Starts with McDavid. Um, you, you definitely got to be aware when some of those guys are on the ice. They can, they got a lot of skill and, and can make you pay at any time. So you got to be focused all 60 minutes. Um, we'll see how it goes tomorrow. That is Pittsburgh Penguins defenseman Justin Schultz. 45 points in 62 games this season. One of his teammates, Tom Sestito, has been suspended for that hit last night on Toby Enstrom in Winnipeg. We'll talk about that and more with Penguins analyst Phil Bork when we get back. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Hey, this is Jordan Eberle from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. A lot to keep an eye on tonight, the U of A Golden Bears basketball team at the national tournament in Halifax playing a quarterfinal against Dalhousie, tied at 28 with three and a half minutes left in the second quarter. Curling as well, good showdown at the Briar Team Canada, which is, of course, an Alberta-ranked an Alberta rink skipped by Kevin Cooey, taking on Newfoundland, the host province this year. Cooey up 4-3 on Gushu after five. Both teams uh, coming in with records of 7-2. Manitoba also 7-2. They have a 4-1 lead on Ontario after five ends. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Oilers, Penguins tomorrow. The Penguins looking good. Just ask their analyst, Phil Bork, who joins us now. Phil, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I am, I am fantastic. You kidding me? I love coming to Edmonton. Pens and oil? Come on. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be beautiful and I'm always happy to have a former Baltimore skipjack on the program. <laughs> yeah, those are the good old days. And uh I was uh toiling in the minors, undrafted player and uh I'll be honest with you, some of the happiest times of my life cuz I was getting paid to play hockey. Are you kidding me? Making 18-5 in the minors, I had the like I had like by the you know what. 
Yeah, the uh, the skipjacks uh, obviously not around anymore. Uh, but man, you really had to earn it, didn't you? Weren't you there three or four seasons? Uh, I think it was close to the five. Yeah. Oh, really? And, wow. Um, you know, those were back in the days when the Penguins were not very good in the early '80s before Mario came along. And, uh, you know, we kind of kid around back then on those teams because we had some pretty good teams down there that uh, we felt like we could have beat the Penguins back in uh, 82 and 83 with our Baltimore Skipjack team. But uh, it, was, it was fun back then. I, I really enjoyed it. That's a major league city. You know, they had, the, they had the football team. They had the Colts when I was there. They, obviously, the Orioles were there. And so if you're going to be in the minors, Baltimore is not the worst place to be. Well, fair enough. Was there a lot of crowd support? Do you remember the fans going pretty crazy? It was unbelievable. Yeah? Yeah, we played at the Civic Center there, which was a unique setup because they had a stage at the one end zone, and so we used to have to walk right through the stage, right onto the stage, uh, to come down some steps and then onto the ice. Uh, And they had the Baltimore Spirit there, which is an indoor soccer team, which was doing really well. And so fans were were very supportive. We could jam 10,000 in there, so it was a lot of nights it was standing room only because – like I said, we had pretty good teams back then. Well, that's for, uh, that's pretty that's pretty cool. I know I, there's so many great stories from guys playing in the minors. Phil Bork, Penguins analyst, joining us inside Sports on 630. Chad, uh, longtime member of the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, won a Stanley Cup there. He also played for the Rangers and uh, the Senators in the uh, NHL as well. 477 games in all. Now you're an analyst, and my goodness, Penguins, Jets, is, is this is this a rivalry we got to circle on the calendar <laughs> after last night's game or what? <laughs> That was uh, that was old time hockey. Not only was it old time hockey, it was old time penguiny hockey. You know, seven to four. I mean, when I played for the Penguins in the uh, late eighties, early nineties, that was the norm. You know, we were very comfortable. Down two, down three, no matter. We had the firepower, and that's you know the Penguins are coming off a, a game against the Buffalo Sabers where they were down three nothing, ended up winning that game four to three. So in that game against Winnipeg, you had it all. You had the fights. You had the the Tom Sacito hit on uh, Toby Enstrom. You know, you had the Malkin fight with Wheeler. You had Gino uh, lighting the lamp a couple times. Nick Benino with the trick. Uh, it was it was fire wagon hockey, which, you know, I, I think that Mike Sullivan and Paul Maurice were really uncomfortable on the bench. But for the most part, I know the fans loved it. Uh, there were times when I was loving it, times when I was hating it, calling the game. But I think for the most part, you got your entertainment dollar, dollar value. Uh, you know, I know it was announced late this afternoon. Tom Sestito suspended four games for that hit. Uh, I mean, you're next. You're next player, so uh, <laughs> you know. You know things. Things happen, but you probably you never wanted to be the guy hit like that. I mean, did you, you did you see some kind of extra punishment coming after that one? I think four is too many, to be honest with you. And uh, if if you were listening, uh, you know, I'm sure you weren't, but you were probably watching. But if you were listening to our broadcast on the radio side uh my uh my dislike for that hit was was very i was very vocal about it i didn't like it but i'll be honest with you i watched it uh once i got to edmonton i watched it uh, probably a dozen times from different angles and uh i i felt like one game would be enough because i think some onus some responsibility has to go to toby enstrom because you if you watch it on the video enstrom looks to his left he knows it's Tom Sestito. And then at the last minute, he turns and shows the numbers. Now, I, I, uh, I agree that he should be suspended for this hit because I didn't like his body language at the end that he followed through on the hit. He didn't show any kind of you know, trying to get out of it body language. 
and he finished the hit. So I think for just that, and I don't know, I heard there was some injuries involved, and that's kind of the equation with the NHL. It's not about the intent. It's about the result. And so if there's injuries involved, that there probably is a suspension coming. I think four is too many. One or two I think would have been appropriate. You know, I I don't always get the suspensions either. And your former teammate, Rob Brown, you know, I work with him after every Oilers game. I have right. never seen him as fired up about Nyquist getting six games for Spurgeon. I mean, Rob didn't understand how that wasn't well into the double digits. I agree. I totally agree. And I think that's where, and I've talked to players off the record, Reed, and, and they would never say what they say on a microphone. Uh, to let the public know it was them, but multiple players, not only Penguins, but from other teams, uh, have voiced their their displeasure with the league and and the way that the sliding scale is really all over the place. These players, they don't know. They don't. They don't know to the point where, okay, what's what's suspendable, what's not suspendable, and and why does this guy get one game or this guy gets a a two thousand dollar fine and then somebody else gets six or eight games. It's all over the map. I don't know what the I don't know what the answer is. I don't know I don't know how do you fix this. Where when you spear a guy in the face, I, I agree with Brownie. That should have been fifteen, twenty. I think if you gave him, you know, forty one games, I think the majority of the league would be like, Yeah, that's that's about right. That's that's what he should get. You know, but to give him a kind of a tap on the wrist, uh, I, I think majority of the, anybody who's played the game before and especially if you played the game at this high of a level and know the intensity on the ice, that you were just kind of rolling your eyes and throwing your, your head back going, you could not believe it was only six games. Well, hopefully it's a, it's a uh, intensely played but clean game tomorrow night at Rogers Place. It's a fun matchup. The Oilers, uh, yeah, you know, we're looking pretty good against the Penguins back in November. I know that's a while ago, but the Pens rallied to win it. Um, you, you know, Phil, a lot of times uh, after games when the Oilers – haven't been able to win. Rob and I have talked to fans about depth scoring, not being able to finish chances. But, man, I mean, the Penguins have the superstars, but they're a pretty deep team when it comes to the offense, too, aren't they? That's why they won the Stanley Cup, is because of their depth. So, yeah, you can only imagine, Reed, where there's games when you sh- you do your best to shut down Sidney Crosby and you shut down Kenny Malkin, and then all of a sudden Connor Sherry beats you or Brian Russ beats you or Scotty Wilson beats you, or 40-year-old Matt Cullen beats you, and you just leave the rink going, holy Moses, what do we have to do to beat these guys? And on top of that, you've got some outstanding goaltending and the Murray Flurry one-two punch. You know, so, yeah, not only is there star power, but there's depth, there's speed, there's youth, there's veteran leadership, there's guys with multiple cups in that locker room, and on top of all of that, you've got one heck of a coach at Mike Sullivan. So that's obviously a great you know, message for what the, the Oilers and their fans should be concerned about tomorrow night. What do you think the Penguins are saying about the Oilers? I mean, McDavid's the obvious. Uh, I, I do think the Penguins are deeper than Edmonton if they're both paying at 100%. But, uh, but I mean, the Oilers have obviously uh, gotten a little bigger over the last 12 to 18 months with, with Peter Shirelli at the helm. What do you think the Penguins are game planning for tomorrow? Well, bigger is not going to beat the Penguins. Maybe you can beat the LA Kings or San Jose Sharks or, you know, teams in the West, maybe you can beat them, but you won't beat the Penguins with size. We'll torture you with our speed and our discipline and our power play the way it's clicking right now. So if you think you're going to bring this into the alley tomorrow night, you have another thing coming your way, and the Penguins will hurt you. But if you want to play the speed game, you want to play the skill game, the way that Connor McDavid plays, 
then we're going to have one heck of a hockey game. I, I expect it to be that style. Uh, the game in Pittsburgh was awesome. Connor McDavid was off the charts. He was the best player on the ice. He had three helpers, and you're right. The Penguins have this ability to come back. They're in a very comfortable zone when they're down a couple goals, uh, and they don't panic. And the Royal had the Penguins on the ropes, 3-1 to one in that game, and the Penguins rallied, and they were able to come back and win the game on a couple goals by Connor Sheary, won in the last two minutes of the game. But uh, if, if the Oil want to want to play some hockey and, and, and not open it up, not let the ponies run and not have – you know, make it river hockey, but but to uh, play a highly skilled and a fast game, a skating game, then we're going to have one heck of a game tomorrow night. And last one for you, Phil. Justin Schultz tied for fourth in D scoring coming into tonight's action. Man, just shows you the value of being slotted properly on your team because I think he wound up uh, probably being a little miscast here uh, in Edmonton and might have had a little too much responsibility and wasn't able to play to his strengths. Thank you, Edmonton. Thank you, Edmonton. Thank you, Edmonton. I can't thank you enough for Justin Schultz. <laughs> a little tongue-in-cheek there. But uh, he has been unbelievable. And I understand that it wasn't going very swimmingly here for Justin Schultz. He was beat up by the media. He was beat up by the fans. Heck, he was beating himself up uh, with the way that things were going here. But, and I understand we got a damaged player when he arrived in Pittsburgh. But we were able to resurrect him. And he is one heck of a hockey player right now. He is absolutely oozing with confidence. And with not only Trevor Daly out, but with, with Chris Letang out of the lineup, he is running the number one power play like a champion. Uh, and he's a guy that made $3.9 million last year, and he accepted $1.4 million this year. You know why, Reed? Because he believed in himself and he bet on himself. And we'll see where that goes as far as his next contract. He's still going to be a restricted free agent, so he doesn't have a lot of of leeway, a lot of leverage, but Justin Schultz has become one hell of a hockey player playing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's going to be fun to watch tomorrow night, man. I hope this is every bit as good as the matchup we saw in November. Phil, thank you so much for your time on Inside Sports. Yeah, I'm sure it will be a good matchup tomorrow night, Pens and Oils, and uh, I always enjoy coming on your show, and this was good hockey talk. Right on. Thanks, Phil. Phil Bork, radio analyst for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Wow. Thank you, Edmonton is all he says about Justin Schultz being on the Penguins. You can't deny how well Schultz is doing this season. You can text us, by the way, at 630-630. We have plenty more to get to. You'll hear from Benoit Pouliot about his upcoming return to the lineup. Oh, and uh, you'll remember this guy, Ricky Ray, is going to be on the show as well. We have a news break coming up. There was an arrest in that road rage incident, so we'll have the details. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Eskimos quarterback Mike Riley will be joined by a former Eskimos quarterback. Now with Toronto, Ricky Ray. I don't know if you guys remember when Ricky Ray got traded to Toronto. It's kind of a big deal at the time. NHL tonight, Ducks and the Blackhawks just getting underway. Lightning lead the Wild 2-0 in the second period. After one, Flyers and Maple Leafs tied 1-1. Late in the second period, the Rangers have now gone ahead of the Hurricanes 3-2. Your scoreboard, as always, brought to you by Crystal Glass. For all your glass needs, check them out online at crystalglass.ca. Other games still to come tonight include the Canadians taking on the Flames, a six-game winning streak, visiting a seven-game winning streak. The Capitals play the Sharks. The Sharks, of course, leading the Pacific Division 
Seven points up on the Oilers and the Ducks. Going to be hard for the Oilers to track down first. I think they got to focus on holding on to second place and getting home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs. U of A Golden Bears basketball team, halftime of the National Championship quarterfinal in Halifax. The Bears trailing Dalhousie 38 36. We'll keep an eye on that one as the Bears chase a national title. You can text 630-630. Jason says, that guy you just had on from the Penguins is so cocky, I almost had to turn my radio off a little too over the top. That was Phil Bork, a former Pittsburgh Penguin, now a broadcaster for the team. I mean, hey, he used to play for them, now he broadcasts it. He's going he's gonna to pull for them. And uh, Jason, I mean, look, man, if listening to me doesn't make you turn your radio off, you're not going to turn it off when Phil Bork is on, right? Uh, He's got high praise for the Penguins, but look, I mean, did he say anything that was really that factually off base? Penguins are a good team. That is a dangerous opponent for the Oilers tomorrow. The Oilers are going to have to uh, finish their chances when they get them, and they're going to have to play more committed in front of both nets than they did against the New York Islanders the other night. I think that's what I'm going to look for tomorrow. The game on 6.30, Chad, 5.30 face-off show tomorrow, and uh, the game will start at 7, Game 3 of the Oilers' eight-game homestand. Benoit Pouliot expected to return. He's been out almost a month after crashing into the boards at practice on February 12th. He's expected to be on a line with David DeHarnay and Zach Cassian, and Pouillot and DeHarnay were briefly teammates a few years ago in Montreal. We played the, my second year in Montreal, and a little bit of the first, but mostly second, and we played together actually on the line, and he's a uh, fun to play with. Smart guy, passed the puck like none other, and uh, it's just a matter of finding a spot for him to, to, to give it. So uh, it's going to be it's going to be good. It's good to, it's good to see him here, and uh, uh, we got along so well on and off the ice, so it's going to be fun. All right, and head coach Todd McClellan commenting on what he hopes that line will bring. With DRNA coming in um, and trying to find a place for him with the right line mates, um, you know, Pooh has played in that position a lot. He's been able to to penalty kill quite well this year, and, and certainly our penalty kill isn't where it needs to be over the last little bit. So um, hopefully he can strengthen that up. Um, both of those players give DRNA a little bit of size and um, can help him. Uh, with some of the battles in and around the net and along the boards. All right, so that's the hope for Pouliot. A good point by McClellan about the penalty killing, which has been substandard, well, quite frankly, really since December 1st for the Oilers. Lately, that's been exaggerated. They have only killed off three of their last eight penalties. So teams on the power play against the Oilers are five for that la- their last eight. That goes back to the Nashville game when the Predators got three goals on the power play. So hopefully Pouliot can kill penalties. Phil Bork talked about the Penguins' speed. I mean, Pouliot can skate. I think the issue for him has been being engaged, you know, making responsible plays, playing hard on the puck, not drifting by the scrum, not getting on the wrong side of the play. So that's what you have to hope Pouliot can do. The issue for him is that he is that he hasn't been able to do that consistently this season. His playing time has suffered. Certainly his numbers have suffered. He has, he has suffered. He has only 10 points in the 51 games he has played this season. So that'll be a storyline to watch for tomorrow, Oilers and Penguins. Hey, this is pretty good. we got Argos quarterback Ricky Ray on the line. Ricky, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Uh, off season's going well and um, obviously excited about the, the upcoming year. Well, thanks for doing this. I, I know you don't do a lot of interviews in the uh, in the second week of March because we still got a couple months till camp. But uh, obviously, big news 
with the Argos, uh, you know, it looked like there was some instability there with Barker and um, Milanovic moving on for different reasons. So when you see the duo of Pop and Tressman coming in, you must have thought, okay, well, you know, you lost a couple guys you like, but Pop and Tressman with pretty good reputations. Yeah, I mean, um, <clears throat> you know, once uh, the positions opened up, we were kind of wondering, you know, what's going on and, um, you know, who who do they have in mind, who are they going to hire and all that stuff. So um, it's nice to have experienced guys coming in, uh, guys that you know that have, um, you know, had success in this league and, um, you know, that they're kind of taking over. So there's, there's some um, comfort with that. But for me as well is um, – you know, with Tressman coming in, I mean, it's a similar, pretty much the same style of offense that I've been playing in the last five years under Milanovic. I mean, that's where, um, you know, him and him and Mark Tressman put it together in, in Montreal originally back in 2008. Uh, so that gives me a lot of comfort as well, knowing that um, I'm going to be able to play in the same system um, for a guy that's, you know, worked really closely with, with Coach Milanovic. What, what did it mean to you to have Mark come in and uh, on his press conference a couple weeks ago and actually declare you the, the starting quarterback? And, and look, I mean, obviously you've got a great reputation and history in the league, but there's the whole thing that it's always competitive and, you know, you always got to fight for your spot. Was, was that significant for you to actually hear that? Yeah, it was. Um, you know, I obviously had a good conversation with him, you know, before the announcement and kind of you know where i was what i was thinking and what he was thinking and um all those sorts of things but uh yeah i mean that's basically i mean i'm going in with you know the guy that's going to take the first rep so uh, i still got to go out and earn it um you know obviously with, with my play and and you know how i how i do in training camp but it's nice knowing going in um you know what you're focused on and i think it's it's better that way too i think when coaches kind of are up in the air about who's going to start um you know it just creates kind of a a weird situation for for the whole whole team so um it's nice to go in knowing where you stand ricky ray joining us on inside sports tonight we talked before you guys finished the season in Edmonton, leading into that game on November 5th, and I asked you the retirement question, and uh, uh, i got to be honest with you, I left kind of feeling unsure, wondering if uh, if you were going to be back. Now, look, it's not like we're best friends and, and talk all the time, so I may have not got the right read on it, but did uh, just tell me about coming back for another year, how, how serious maybe was retiring in your mind, or was it never really something you were, you were considering going for? Well, I mean, obviously it was it was in my mind um, for me to, to talk about it. Um, but I, I never, you know, going into the off season, you know, I was kind of just waiting to see if one feeling or another would kind of lead me in, a, in that direction. And I never really got the feeling of, of want, really wanting to retire. Um, every kind of thought I had or... You know, when I thought about the situation, um, it was about playing, and um, so that it ended up being a pretty pretty easy decision for me. And um, you know, I never kind of had to make it be a tough tough decision. It was actually pretty easy. I, I still had the desire and drive to to go out there and play. And um, you know, I, I just feel like 
you know, with the year we had last year and, you know, some of the injuries, I was probably just a little bit more down about the year um, more than anything than rather than retiring. Well, you're 37, and uh, I obviously you saw the performances of the two quarterbacks that won the Grey Cup and the Super Bowl this year. So, I mean, the, your best years could still be ahead given how Burris and Brady played, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, especially at the quarterback position. Um, you know, there even just with my time in, in the CFL, I've seen a lot of great quarterbacks play in, into their 40s, and um, now you're seeing – you know, more guys in the NFL do it. Um, and not only just play into their 40s, but play at a, at a very high level. I mean, you just named the two guys that won the championships for each league. And, um, you know, they're playing at high levels, obviously, to, to be able to win those. So um, that's obviously I've been able to watch that. And it, it gives guys like me hope that, um, you know, you can keep playing. And it also, um, I think teams realize that I think, you know, you don't kind of want to get to that age where people start giving up on you just because it's a number. Um, people are proving that you can still play really well, um, you know, at these late ages, and it just gives everybody confidence, especially the teams, to, to keep guys around. I, I got to ask you, did you watch this, the Super Bowl, and, and what did you think of that comeback? I mean, to me, that was just, it was stunning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, stunning is, is for sure. You know, just watching that game, I was, like man you know i can't believe the patriots are losing this bad you know usually usually they play a a very competitive game and um you know i i I honestly didn't think they'd be able to to make it back but i kept watching and um you saw it just kind of the the momentum just shift and um you know it was just one play at a time one drive at a time one thing at a time and i mean obviously a lot of things had to go their way uh for them to get back into that game uh but it just goes to show like you know, if you're a team out there playing together and, and you know, there's no fight, no yelling at each other, they just kept playing hard and, um, you know, anything can happen when you do that. You know, it was a good lesson for for guys at, at any level of sport that if you, if you just keep playing hard and executing and doing the right things that, um, you know, anything's possible. All right, Ricky, I want to ask one more for you here. You know, going through the off season, you know, I'm curious. You've had several off seasons as a pro quarterback, so I'm sure you got your routine. Uh, just tell fans what you might do physically on on the average day. If you're always throwing a few dozen balls, or if you you lift weights, or or, or climb mountains, or whatever. What is a what's an off season day like for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's obviously trying to get you know in the best shape you can for for training camp in the in the upcoming year and um that entails uh lifting weights and and throwing and um but there's so many things you can do inside of those parameters um you know early in my career it was all about trying to get bigger trying to get stronger and you know put on weight and be able to take more hits and and do all that stuff and um you know now as i'm getting older and and watching some of these guys play and reading some stuff actually on Tom Brady. Um, you know, he's a big believer in, you know, muscle pliability and, and keeping your flexibility and, um, you know, not putting a lot of stress on your body with, with heavy lifting and stuff. So I've kind of shifted my focus um, to more of that kind of style uh, this off season of, of still lifting weights but not going so crazy in the weight room and just trying to keep more, more of my flexibility and maintaining my strength. And then uh, – you know, throwing. I throw a little weighted ball 
Um, every time I go in and work out, at least three or four times a week, uh, a two-pound ball into the wall just to keep the flexibility in my arm, which I haven't done um, in previous off-seasons. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that, that works out for me this year. And then obviously now that we're hitting March is when we start uh, actually picking up a football and, and starting to throw the football. Right on. Well, that's cool. I appreciate that answer. Ricky, thanks for making time for us. Fans in Edmonton are always thrilled to hear from you, and uh, they wish you the best, except when you guys play Edmonton. But, you know, that's part of the deal. <laughs> thanks for doing this. That, that is, for sure. I appreciate it. Ricky Ray, good to catch up with him. Quarterback for the Toronto Argos. A lot of changes in the offseason. Man, they look like good changes. That could be a good team with uh, Mark Tressman back coaching. I think Ricky's going to like playing for him. It's Inside Sports on 630. Chad, 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. I will get to a text about uh, an Oilers prospect when we get back. It's 648. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. You know, if the Oilers are going to do any damage, they'll need the Nuge, Everly, Lucic to provide some secondary scoring. Their depth will certainly be tested tomorrow against the Penguins. Quickly, I want to get to a text message from Jeff. He says, please compare and contrast the Gretzky of the AHL, Anton Lander, to Yessi Puglia-Yarve. The former has no NHL success. What does that mean for the latter, who is not dominating in the AHL like Lander? Well, Jeff, and I don't mean this sarcastically, quite frankly, what Anton Lander is doing has nothing to do with the long-term projections for Yessi Puglia-Yarve. Anton Lander is 25 years old. Yessi Puglia-Yarve is 18 and is just under a point a game in the AHL. Anton Lander uh, clearly excels and is one of the top scorers in the AHL. When he's in the NHL, he is below average at almost everything except face-offs and penalty killing. Yessi Puliyarve is not a finished product yet, and he has the potential to be an above-average scorer in the National Hockey League. So there is not much comparison between the two but a lot to contrast. That's how I look at that. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630. I just want to uh, quickly update a pretty cool local event going on this weekend. Rob Lee is a director with the Alberta Minor Midget Hockey League. Rob, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm good, Reed. Uh, glad to join you. Yeah, thanks for making time for me tonight. I just I just want to get the word out about this, the Alberta Minor Midget Hockey League. Now, what do you have guys going on? Is this, is this the season-ending uh, tournament, or what's happening this weekend? So this weekend over at Williger Rec Center is the uh, what we call the North Sutter Cup. So we have uh, 12 teams in the North Division, uh, ranging all the way up to uh, to Grand Prairie. So we have uh, three pools of four teams here: two championship pools and one consolation pool. And uh, this will uh, will take the uh, the top two teams from this and the host team Grand Prairie. They'll uh, they'll take through the three top teams from the South. And uh, we'll, uh, the winners will we'll meet in Grand Prairie for the provincial championships. But this weekend is the North Sutter Cup going on at Williger Rec Center. All right, so it's a big deal. The, it already started. The finals, uh, I guess, are going to be when on uh, Sunday to determine uh, who wins the North. Tell us a little bit about the Alberta Minor Midget Hockey League. I actually remember covering a team in Lloydminster when this started up about uh, 12 or 13 years ago. Give us a sense of, of the players in this league and why it's important to their development. Yeah, so the, the minor midget AAA league has really uh, allowed uh, 15-year-old players that are, you know, highly skilled, but maybe not as, as have developed physically. So it allows them to develop uh, with players their own age. Uh, 
uh, and not have to play with the uh, 16- and 17-year-olds at Midget AAA. So we really found this to be a great development league. There's, uh, you know, We've seen many players uh, come through this league that have gone on to very strong careers. Uh, you know, A couple that come to mind were Levko Koper and Stefan Legault that uh, went on to have great careers with the, with the U of A Golden Bears. And one that's more recent uh, is uh, the name that will be familiar to a lot of people, Jake DeBrusque, who... Uh, Played in this league as a 15-year-old and then uh, went on to a great career in the Western Hockey League and drafted in the first round by the Boston Bruins. So it seems to me this is a great way for the, that you know those 15-year-old kids to avoid you know jumping in there against kids who might be older, bigger, more experienced, and then you know you wind up playing eight minutes a game and that could limit your development, right? Yeah, absolutely, Reading. At Southside, we we really use this as a, as a development team, and it, it really has turned into the the feeder team for our midget AAA. So uh, we count on kids that play at minor midget AAA, whether they play at 16 or 17, to play on our midget AAA team. So playing here is, uh, is a very important step in their development. All right, so the tournament's underway. Did you guys have Bob Nicholson out for something today, or is that tomorrow? No, tomorrow uh, is sort of the, the feature game. It's going to happen at 9 a.m. at the downtown arena, downtown community arena. Bob Nicholson will be dropping the puck, and that's a game between... Uh, Southside Athletic Club and, and Sherwood Park. But the majority of the games are going on here at the Williger Rec Center, and as you said, the final uh, the finals are on Sunday. Uh, they'll go at 12 noon here at uh, at the Rec Center. All right, is there now? I know you're you're involved with Southside Athletic Club, but is there a, is there a favorite this weekend, or is there a team or two that had a really good regular season that uh, might have the expectations going in here? Yeah, certainly uh, St. Albert uh, had a really strong uh, year this year. I think they only lost three or four games, so they're sort of at the top of the pack. But once you get past them, there's a real logjam anywhere from two to five with, uh, you know, our club, Southside Athletic Club, but also uh, Sherwood Park uh, and Knights of Columbus. So, uh, you know, in a tournament format, uh, anything can happen. So it's, uh, it's up for grabs, that's for sure. All right. Well, it sounds like it's going to be very competitive, and you're, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned some of the players that have played in this league and gone on to be in the NHL or, or CIS or WHL, so that's pretty cool. Is there a website people could follow up? Yeah, there is. Uh, you know, and the tournament uh, schedule will be posted on that. It's ammhl.ca, and uh, you, can find all the, uh, you can find all the games on there. Rob, thanks for filling us in on this great league and it's going to be an exciting weekend of tournament action as well, man. All the best. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Reid. That's Rob Lee from the Southside Athletic Club and one of the directors for the Alberta Minor Midget Hockey League. So it is a, you know, it's a a fun time of year for a lot of the local teams that, uh, let's face it, uh, sometimes I wish I could talk about uh, a little more, but uh, season's winding down, university level, uh, minor hockey, men's hockey. We're going to talk to someone from the Stony Plain Eagles later on tonight. A little more on your Oilers as well. Uh, We'll keep updated on the Briar. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Do you own or operate a business? Then you must join McGuire Financial at their free dinner seminar the evening of March 21st or March 23rd. Discover how the top 1% of wealthiest business owners approach their own financial planning and learn the very same strategies to grow your wealth faster with advice from financial expert Dr. Brent Kessler. Seating for this free dinner seminar... 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.